I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series called Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...scams a bunch of famous athletes out of untold fortunes... Nearly $10 million was all gone. It's just unbelievable. Hide your money in your old rich men, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts, the medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeart Radio app. Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, guys. Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. School of Humans. Wow, uh, welcome to another episode of Cadaver Gals, the show where we talk about all the ways people have died to cope with our own mortality. Does it work? Are we coping? Who knows? Everyone is broken. Ooh, that's a start. That's the start, yeah. So I'm your host, Gabby, along with Nika and Taylor. Say y'all's salutations. Salutations. Salutations, everyone. Um, So today we're going to be talking about the sad-ass tale of a space-related death, specifically a Russian cosmonaut. In 1967, then we're going to head over to Italy and hear about one of the mafia's many victims. So if you're in the mafia, please don't come for us. Please. Thank you. Okay. As always, we have some content and some trigger warnings. We'll be talking about space, explosions, burned up bodies, guns, acid, murder, and worst of all, my personal feelings. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Your, fi- your feelings aren't sad and terrible. They're not they actually warning. trigger okay. me deeply. Okay. So, yeah. Your presence just triggers me. I'm triggered uh, by Gabby's triggers. Anyway, I hope you enjoy this episode of Cadaver Gals. We're all in this together, but ultimately, we're all alone. Cue music. Cadaver Gals. I know that intro was sad, but I was just trying to set the mood because, Nika, your tale is a pretty sad one. I mean, death is pretty sad, so default, they're all pretty sad. But, Nika, why don't you take us back, back in time to Russia in the 1960s, back when we were all racing to space. Mm -hmm. Tell us this Mm -hmm. tale of the cosmonaut. Okay, so this... First of all, I love that we're going around the world, well, really around Europe. So we're going to Italy, we're going to Russia, or what used to be the Soviet Union. We're just traveling around. Yes. Though Russia is technically mostly Asia. Well, okay. So... Um, I didn't go to an Ivy League like you, Gabby. I feel like I make a joke about not going to college every single episode. But no, it's good. It's good so you can remind everyone that I went to an Ivy League school. Well, we so also, thank you. we represent three different levels of education. Gabby, super fancy with her Ivy League. Me, mediocre at UK. And Nika. Say it. Bitch. Nika didn't go to college. 
And look, we're all equal <laughs> levels of stupid. Exactly. So it doesn't matter. Um, exactly. Wow. That. Thanks, guys, for the confidence boost going into this. <laughs> so anyway, today we are going to experience a shocking, twisted tale that I am Ooh. going to try to share with as much clarity as possible. But keep in mind, this is set in the Soviet Union. It's the 60s. Some of this information, though I did try to find the most accurate possible, some of this information has been debated by space historians, by uh, people, by Redditors who get mad. I don't know. <laughs> space I, I, historians. I yeah. Never really, they're space They're all on Reddit. Okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> they're not just um, astronomers. I assume that astronomers just are space historians because astronomy, like so many, so much of what we're seeing is like happened forever ago, right? Because it takes so long for the light to get to us. Oh my gosh, that actually makes a lot of sense. So if anything... And like astrologers. Well, no, Gabby. So if anything, space historians are ancient space historians because astronomers are recent historians for space. Yes? <laughs> okay. See, we're all so yes. smart. We're so smart. Thank you, Kentucky. <laughs> anyway. But yeah, however, if you want to you know, after this, go on a KGB conspiracy bender, please do, because it is fascinating. And I, this is, like, not even scratching the surface. This is just what we legally can find out. I dare all of you to go to the dark web and bring me some, like, bounty back. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> this is what we're doing. It's the 60s. It's the space race. Everything is very tense. The Berlin Wall had just been constructed a few years prior to our friend Vladimir Komarov's story. Obviously, the Cold War was happening. Russia, you know, they launched Sputnik, which was the first ever man-made object into space 10 years before our story. And the U.S. was trying to get ahead of the Russians, basically. So it was a very tense, very invigorating, and also very dangerous time, especially to be a cosmonaut or astronaut. Ass, ass, astronaut. <laughs> it's so hard to not do an ass joke when talking about astronauts. Yeah, it's so hard. It's especially for us. But um, It's got to be hard for them, too, to talk about yeah. it way more often. Yeah. Also, it's good their suits are so big. You know, there's room for dad ass. Oh, boy. Um, Is Cosmo how you say ass in Russian? No. It okay. actually... <laughs> It's so funny because I was looking it up. I was like, what is the difference between a cosmonaut and an astronaut? And it's just that cosmonauts are – they're the spacemen who have been accepted via Russian, like, legal ways of becoming an astronaut or what we know as an astronaut. And an astronaut is basically the every other Space Federation name. So which, Russia just okay. kind of t took that on themselves? The Soviet Union, yes. Um, which, you know, the U.S. does that with the metric system or the lack of metric system. So <laughs> – Understand. We understand. Both superpowers, both deadly, both have killed lots of people. No one is innocent. Yeah, I feel like the space race is just like, who's got the biggest dick energy? I feel like that's just like what 100%. it was. You know? Well, the missiles were the dicks, were they not? I guess so. <laughs> and the space station was just a flattened out cooter. I don't know. Ew, anyway. Oh, Gabby, you know, I hate I'm it when sorry. you use that word. This is what they teach us at Ivy League schools. Right. Blame Princeton, not me. Oh, okay. Anyway, so this is happening. These big political superpowers are battling it out on literally every front. And it's about to be the 50th anniversary of the Communist Revolution. Ooh, party, party time. Party. So Leonid Brezhnev, who was this terrifying leader of the Soviet Union at the time, he decides to stage this big space achievement involving two spacecrafts to celebrate this momentous occasion. Because when it's communism's anniversary, we must celebrate. Yeah, um, go big. Yes, I'm <laughs> saying that. Sarcastically. So the idea was to launch the Soyuz 1 with our friend Vladimir inside and then have him dock at a rendezvous point in space and then have Soyuz 1 meet up with another spacecraft that was going to be launched with two people in it, Soyuz 2. So they would meet up in space. The plan was that they would dock together and then two cosmonauts would spacewalk to the Soyuz 1. Then Vladimir would land Soyuz 1 back on Earth, and then another cosmonaut would land Soyuz 2 back on Earth. This was basically to show that Russia's cosmonauts, or the Soviet Union's cosmonauts, could walk in space, like spacewalk, that they could dock, that they could rendezvous, that they could, they, like, just, it was basically to show, wow, look, communism works. 
and that was the plan. And it was a big deal. And this was the first time that the Soviet Union had literally tried any of this. And Leonid was really trying to rush it in order to co- coincide with this very special holiday. You mean he was Russian? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Love it. Um, <laughs> yes. He was Russian. It. Uh, <laughs> oh, my. Let's get past so, the moment. Yes. Yes. Anyway. Now, this was obviously a risky mission, and there were many unmanned test flights that proved that Soyuz 1 had a very long way to go before it was going to be ready to fly with a human pilot. Komarov, he was experienced. Like, he was just one of 18 people chosen to train in the Soviet Union to become a cosmonaut, and he successfully piloted the first vessel to carry more than one person in space. He was very well known for all of his space achievements and was a really, really good pilot. So... He was kind of the man for the job. He was also very good friends with this cosmonaut who I hope everyone knows about, Yuri Gagarin. He is the first man who ever went to space. I feel like the U.S. sells us the Kool-Aid juice that it was that Armstrong guy, but... (laughs) Lance Armstrong, Armstrong the first guy. (laughs) But that's not true. The Soviet Union did technically beat the U.S. to send someone off into space. Now, we were the first, we, I say we, the U.S. was the first to walk on the moon, but... Technically. Well, who knows? Well, some people doesn't believe, they don't believe that the moon exists, so... Yeah, that's what they, the conspiracy theory is. The moon doesn't exist, so how could they stand on the moon? Not exactly. that it was faked. Um, <laughs> Let's start a new conspiracy theory. The moon's not even real, guys. It's just a giant green screen out in space. <laughs> well, so they did go to space. They just, there's no moon. Yeah, yes, exactly. I just invented yeah. that. Um, wonderful. This is going so well. So they were very close. Um, they were just like, you know, the power, like the girl power friendship couple, but Soviet Union and their cosmonauts. Just picture that. I'm gonna, <laughs> Got I'm it. gonna pitch I'm that to Disney. Yes. They're like a girl gang, but men. <laughs> yes. And there's only two of them. The original girl gang. Exactly. Men. <laughs> so, um, they, you know, they would go hunting together. They would do just girl gang things together. Go to bars and drink. They had a special bond, basically. Um, they truly were really close friends. And so, as I said, Komarov was chosen to man the Soyuz 1 spacecraft. He was just like the man for the job. And he later found out, as they were starting to prepare for this flight, that Gagarin was the backup pilot, basically. So if anything were to happen to Komarov, Gagarin would go in or at least on paper, he would go in. People say that they would never actually send him out in space because he was too precious to the Soviet Union as, like, a national hero. But on paper, that's what he was supposed to be. It's always good to have a backup. Now, according to this book and also multiple firsthand accounts, Gagarin and Komarov knew that whoever would man the flight was not going to come back, basically. The spacecraft was so not ready. But Komarov actually insisted that he'd go because I guess, I guess it was like an act of self-sacrifice slash he was aware that Gagarin represented something really important in the Soviet Union and he just, he was like, no, I'll go. It's fine. And there's actually a story where um, Gagarin's KGB escort, because back then KGB escorts were people, I mean, kind of like spies, they would basically watch over certain people and all the cosmonauts had like a KGB escort. So Gagarin's KGB escort sat down for dinner with Komarov and his wife. And after that dinner, Komarov looked at him and basically said, I am not going to make it back from this flight. The escort agreed finally to pass on this memo that was created. It was a 10 page memo explaining that the spacecraft had 203 engineering problems and that it was not ready to flight and that it was extremely dangerous. 203, yes. Um, Just a few problems. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, nothing some duct tape can't fix. Um, (laughs) And so the escort sent it up the chain of command and was immediately banned from interacting with cosmonauts and demoted. He literally didn't even read the report. He just sent it up the chain and the chain was like, um, communist revolution anniversary is very important. So we're not going to read this memo. (laughs) That is exactly what happened. (laughs) That's a great lesson though. It's like, maybe don't 
Like, sometimes I get too wrapped up in party planning and stuff, but sometimes you got to take a step back and realize your spacecraft has 200 mistakes, you know, 203. 203 errors. So just always be thinking about the bigger picture of safety. Okay. Wow, Gabby. Are your parties that unsafe? I mean, that's like a a party in COVID right now. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, okay. (laughs) That's fair. That's actually fair. Yes. Um, So Komarov, they were getting ready to, you know, fly. It was in a few days. And a few days before, he literally said that if he should die on this flight, he wanted to have an open casket funeral so people would see what the government had done to him. So things were souring very quickly. That's aggressive, but I like it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. It's like a final look really what you did to me. Do you really think they're going to allow that, though? Like, There's a conspiracy with the picture that I'm going to mention as well. Okay, but <laughs> there's a conspiracy for everything. Am I even real? We don't know. Who knows? Yes. So April 23rd, 1967, the mission launched up into the big black hole called space. He immediately had problems. One of his solar panels wouldn't launch. So he was operating with half the power he needed. Now, this affects... (laughs) I am not a space historian or an astronaut or a cosmonaut, and I don't have any Soviet Union ties. Or a physicist. Or a Redditor, yes. Or a college-educated person. But I am going to say this. If you are in space with half the power that you need, it's going to affect pretty much everything on the spacecraft. So... That's exactly what happened. Stabilization, engine firing. I mean, literally, they, he did not have the power for these things to work the way they should. He went around the Earth a couple of times and then told the guys, like, down below in the down space below. station, in the Soviet Union space station, that it was an extremely dangerous situation. And they recognized that they wanted to go send out a party up into space world to help and they were actually going to send the Soyuz 2 out not to do what they had intended to but to fix a solar panel but rainstorms started happening and a thunderstorm happened and they were like you know what we're not going to send Soyuz 2 let's just get you back down immediately so they were preparing an emergency landing which actually could have worked I mean it was it was it's one of those things where it's "It's so crazy it just might work you know Um, (laughs) but it, it, it could have worked And then as they were emergency landing, because of the lack of solar panels, the spacecraft was incredibly unbalanced. And so when he began falling to Earth, literally falling, not, you know, controlled descent, there was no aerodynamic capability within the spacecraft because of all the problems. And so he was basically crashing down like a meteor. And then on top of that, the emergency parachutes did not launch. He already knew that, that was this one was of the two hundred and three problems, perhaps. Yep. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so none of this came as a surprise to Komarov or even the people at the space station. They were trying to make it work with what they had, but obviously they didn't. And it is said in this book that can be a little bit questionable, but we'll never know for sure. But it is said that U.S. intelligence posts in Turkey heard him crying in rage and basically like cursing the government and cursing the spacecraft. And it's just a very sad, terrible situation. So Komarov fell at full speed, his spacecraft flattened instantly and then exploded. And then two rocket launchers that were supposed to launch in space launched on the ground. So everything exploded and blew up and was on fire. And his remains were essentially a charred lump. Jeez. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's a yeah. lot. That's was it, was anybody nearby? Was like there any no. other casualties? No, no, no other casualties. But it's pretty crazy because when they went to go pick him up, like take care of him, they initially thought that it was a salvageable situation, and so they sent out like emergency rescue party. And the moment they got there, they saw a just absolutely the spacecraft was in flames, and there was no way that anyone would survive that. And sure enough, he had his open casket funeral, and he had a state funeral. There's a really famous picture of Soviet generals looking over his charred remains, and then they cremated him and gave him a really big, fancy state funeral, and then interred his ashes at the Kremlin Wall. He was seen as, like, a national hero, basically, but... I not for the right. I mean, I don't think not for the right reasons. And Gagarin was furious and was very vocal about the fact that this could have been avoided. And it was just a really bad situation. 
What was the conspiracy theory about the photograph? The conspiracy theory about the photograph is that people believe that wasn't him because they wouldn't have been allowed to take a picture during the open casket funeral. They say that it's someone else that had experienced, according to Redditors, six hours of um, being on fire as like um, a test program or something, and those were his remains. But then another Redditor said, that's impossible. So... (laughs) We'll never know. We'll never <laughs> know. Dr. Reddit said. Thank but, you, yeah. Reddit. But regardless of whether the picture is accurate or not, it is documented that there was an open casket funeral. He did have charred remains. So there was still somewhat of a body, though, if you ever look up the picture, it's not much of a body at all. It's more like a like a lump. Like, that is for sure. Yeah. The rest, Reddit will, I mean, no. <laughs> Well, Reddit and then also our space historians have also disagreed with some of the things that were said. Because what was the book called? It's like Spaceman. Yeah, it was was, Spaceman. It's basically this book about Gagarin's journey as the first cosmonaut to ever go into space. But it's very, like, dramatically told. And though there are obviously resources quoted and it is supposed to be a historical book, a lot of people have been like, that didn't happen. So I took... Almost all the facts. And what we do know is that, regardless, it was a very dire situation. They clearly knew what they were getting into. He knew that the spacecraft was doomed, and yet he still went. Still went. Mm -hmm. Didn't seem like he had much of a choice, though. Absolutely. I hate stories like this because, to be quite honest, I don't believe in heroism in that way. It's like not for a country or a political ideal i'm sorry i just like that that it's just not worth it and he clearly knew what was happening and i don't think he necessarily went by choice i think it was just like be either that or be killed by the soviet union be killed or be killed those yeah, were be your killed options or be yeah because they need to have their little party so dumb well nika thank you so much for sharing this tale and after the break we're gonna get into a little bit more about death in space so we'll be right back i'm scott weinberger journalist and former deputy sheriff in my new podcast series cold-blooded the apollo jim murders i'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter billy halper just a shame you know that they took him from us experience this investigation in a truly unique way knocking on doors uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, My name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...with zero qualifications... She had a Harvard plaque. ...tricks her way past a wall of lawyers and agents. She's got all of these Maseratis and Bentleys all in the driveway. Is it like a mansion? Yes, it's a mansion. ...that this queen of the con uses to scam some of the biggest names in professional sports out of untold fortunes. About six million. Approximately eleven million dollars. Nearly ten million dollars was all gone. Employing whatever means necessary to bleed her victims dry. She would probably have sex with one of her clients. Hide your money in your old rich men, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, season five, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. 
Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing. Right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the L.A. Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, welcome back to Cadaver Gals. Nico was just telling us about the sad tale, lack of heroism, because heroism's stoop. Anyway, you said it much better than I was about to say it again, but... (laughs) Nika made a great point. So if you forgot it, you know, scroll back. It's just not worth it. I just, no. Yeah, especially, I mean, it's interesting thinking about space deaths because, I mean, I think there's there's many reasons why, why to go to space. But in order to get to space, it is very dangerous. But there is like people who say that based on how risky it is, there's actually been quite few fatalities in general related to any sort of space either space training or going into orbit. So since the 1950s, when the the space race sort of began, there's only been 30 fatalities due to attempts to reach space. Out of how many? To answer your question, Taylor, which I definitely knew before you asked Mm -hmm, it, mm -hmm. is that 568 people from 41 different countries have gone into space approximately. But that is also then delineated by like which part of space you went to. So there's a lot fewer people who have gone beyond the Kármán line, which is basically basically how they're delineating between Earth's orbit and what space actually is. And it's ah. about 100 kilometers above us is where the Kármán line is. I see. So I was just going to say, so what's that percentage? Ivy League. <laughs> Sorry, this is important. Yes, do math. Uh, it's probably like eight percent. Okay, that I don't think that's true. I don't. Okay, hold on. <laughs> Five. Uh, I just like I like asking people who have higher education than me questions yeah. that they don't know. Mwahahaha. Gabby, you, you may be like- more like seven percent. Okay, um, I oh, but- she was right. <laughs> Sorry, Gabby. Yeah, I can make ass jokes and I can do approximate calculations. It's called my being life is a, so a complex person. I'm very yeah, I'm very complex and um, layered. I'm layered like a bean dip with other things. Ooh. You were gonna say di- dip, dip, dip. <laughs> dip. I'm, I'm layered like dip. Okay, okay. Let's get so people. Not a lot of people have died, but they've all been either from the Soviet Union. Or the United States. And the United States really has racked them up with uh, the Challenger and the Columbia in 1986 and 2003. So go us, you know, our space program. But I mean, speaking of conspiracy theories and how kind of like we just don't know what was happening in the Soviet Union, there is this theory called the lost cosmonauts or the phantom cosmonauts where they'd be like... Before Gagarin reached space, they'd actually sent some other people up there and they died doing that. And there's been multiple attempts to like look through 
documentation and people's memoirs and stuff to figure out if that was the case. There's no proof of it, but there's still probably active in the Reddit community people dissecting (laughs) this theory that there are people sent into space before Gagarin. Well, that's the thing with the Soviet Union. Like, you're never going to know the full story. I wouldn't write off that conspiracy theory because we don't know half of what. And we never will, honestly. Yeah. And so who knows? Maybe they're also still up there in space just hanging out. They may have their whole, like a whole spaceship area that they hang out at. Station. There you go. That's the word. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And also the interesting thing is there's actually only been three people who have ever died in technically what is space beyond the Kármán line. And this happened in 1971. And it was three cosmonauts, also in a Soyuz spacecraft. This was the Soyuz 11. And so they had actually successfully gone into space. They were the first people to reside on this, the first space station that had been launched into space. And they were up there for three weeks doing experiments. And as they were coming back, their craft successfully landed because it had like an automatic pilot situation going on. But then when people went to the spacecraft to open it up, they found the three cosmonauts dead inside. They had like blue splotches on their face. (gasps) And also they were bleeding out of their ears and noses. No. So it was determined that they died from asphyxiation because a breathing ventilation valve had ruptured in space. And also because of the reducing pressure within the vessel, it caused them to be exposed to the vast vacuum that is space. So despite the movies, these were the only people ever to have been exposed to space. Meanwhile, like a Ridley Scott movie has like 11 people pass away quickly. (laughs) (laughs) Or even the ones that are kind of set more like presently too. There's always like, I mean, I remember being eight and seeing like a space movie in theaters and just being like, oh God, this is what's good. People always be dying in space, but really there's only been three and it was in 1971 when this had happened. And then after that, they kind of they changed the rules. These three cosmonauts were not wearing their spacesuits. And so now there was a sort of everyone was like, hey, you should probably just wear your spacesuit when you're going in and out of orbit, you know, just like put it on your seatbelt, your spacesuit, just get them all on. It's great. And then after Komarov's death, they officially banned Gagarin from going into spacecrafts. Because, you know, he was too precious. Oh, I didn't know that. See, like, it seems like they had shadow banned him for Soyuz 1, but there was still a light chance. But then after that, they officially banned him. Yeah, because, you know, he was so special, even though I feel like within communism, you're not supposed to have special people. So, yeah, Soviet Union, what's up with that? (laughs) What's up with that? Uh, but then the next year, he he was allowed to do regular like aircraft stuff. And so he was flying an aircraft and then it crashed and he died. So he died a year after this happened. Oh, okay. It's interesting when you look at like the 30 fatalities, most of them have come from NASA. But I mean, with Russia, it's kind of hard to determine like, have there been more deaths? We don't know because there's only two other deaths that are documented from the Soviet Union. One was in 1961. And these were just like training deaths where so they weren't like actually in space. They were experimenting on the vessel itself and they had reduced it to a 50% oxygen atmosphere, but then it caught on fire. And so he suffered from all these burns and then he died in the hospital. And then there was another guy and this was, I guess this was after the Soviet Union, but this was in 1993. There was a guy who was doing a recovery training and he drowned in the Black Sea. So these are the only documented ones within the Soviet Union. And it really does seem that like launching the spacecrafts is often what the issue is. So what I was thinking from one of our previous episodes, what if they just cluster balloon the space shuttles into space? (laughs) This is science. That's a great idea, Gabby. I'm just spitballing some Ivy League level ideas, you know, just get a bunch of balloons, make it look like a Fuck clown you, Gabby. You know, rising into space. Nika, this is what you've missed from college, you know, is this rigorous <laughs> yeah. scientific yeah, training. Need to go back. <laughs> anyway, so space, it's dangerous, but then also not as dangerous as you would think, but still 
people be dying to, you know, get their dicks into space. So the conclusion is space. <laughs> it's not that dangerous, but it's still pretty dangerous. <laughs> We're going to move into a different subject. We're going to be bouncing from Russia over to Italia. And Taylor has a nice little mafia tale for us. So Taylor, take it away. Yeah, we're going from the KGB to the mafia. I'm so excited about this. I have a fascination with the mafia and all of their terrible things that they've done in a bad way. Also, I almost had an Italian sandwich yesterday. So like, this is perfect. <laughs> couldn't couldn't have planned it better <laughs> myself. I <laughs> just, you know. Absolutely. I, I say almost because I was thinking of getting one and then I didn't. But still. Wow. So you didn't even get the sandwich? No, I didn't. Okay. <laughs> you were canceled. Still, it's a crazy coincidence. <laughs> Nika thought about Italian things. All right. Anyway, so we're going to the 1940s. We are going to talk about Placido Risotto, who was an Italian trade union leader. And a rice dish. Yes, Exactly. And he helped farmers take the unfarmed land to expand and take over that land that was controlled by the mafia. Good for him. Yep. I yeah. hate the mafia. I'm fascinated, yeah. but I hate them. So growing up, Risotto's dad was wrongfully incarcerated for criminal association, a.k.a. the mafia, which Risotto was like, that's not cool. My dad wasn't in the mafia and he was like, I'm going to do my best to, I think he was framed uh, by the mafia. So he was like, I'm going to do whatever I can to help people who are having to deal with the mafia, which that's a really aggressive plan, I think. Yeah, because the mafia, you know, they be powerful and shit and scary as hell. So the mafia's business is, quote, protect businessmen through violence. So they're like, we're just going to be violent. That was their, the gist. So they wake up every morning and they choose violence. They wake up every morning and choose violence. Exactly. So after Risotto starts to grow up, he is in World War II, comes home, takes on the mafia. He's like, World War II wasn't enough. Let me just fight these powerful men. Exactly. He's at like, home as well. I took on fascism. Now I'm going to take on the mafia. He was anti-mafia Antima, as we... Oh, my <laughs> goodness gracious me. Wow, Taylor. Yep. Wow, 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 wow. It's Antifa, but just Italian. <laughs> exactly. So as you can imagine, the mafia was not a huge fan of his work, but he was trying to lead a revolution. He was kind of organizing these protests in the street where they would chant land for all. So the crowds That's were sweet. Yeah. And so the crowds were getting bigger and bigger. And the mafia was like, this is scary. There's going to be more of them than there are of us. So we better shut this down. So at the time, the leader of the mafia or father, as he was referred to, was, and I'm probably going to butcher this. So I apologize. I do not speak Italian. But his name was Michele Navarra. And he was actually a pretty educated guy. He studied engineering and then moved on to medicine and eventually became captain in the Italian army. So naturally, the next step would be mob boss. But he was a mob boss with a medical degree, and he became the director of the hospital. He seems well-rounded. Very well-rounded. So one night after Risotto was taking on the mafia, you know, he that's a really tiring job, I would imagine. So he's like, I need a drink, calls up some of his buddies and is like, hey, let's go to the bar. So he's having fun. He's drinking with his buddies. And then he's seen walking out of the bar with someone just to have a casual conversation. Well, that person was assumed by everyone to be involved in the mafia. And what happened was Risotto was kidnapped. Oh, no. Yep. But good news, there was a witness. An 11-year-old boy, he was a shepherd, Giuseppe Letizia, but he saw the whole thing go down. And so he tells his dad that he had just seen bandits smashing a man's skull. He was very upset in a lot of shock. He was shaking, freaking out. Can't say I blame him. So his dad takes him to the hospital. Now, if you recall, old father Navarra 
runs the hospital that the boy was taken to. And this, oh no! Yep. Wow. And this poor boy was telling Navara the story. Like Navara heard that this that this little boy was here and saw something go down. So Navara's like, "Let me go check this out." So fellow doctor Ignacio Delaria suggested, you know, injecting him with something to help calm him down. Well, it turns out that injection was lethal, resulting in the boy's death. So the doctor oh, nerd. Del Aria was like, oh my God, what just happened? This isn't cool. It looks like this kid just got poisoned. And it would have been his fault, the doctor's fault. Yeah, he was like totally intending to just like help oh, calm no. him down. And so he's like, take this kid to an autopsy. I don't know what happened. And um, he was being pretty, this doctor was being pretty vocal about it. The autopsy led to the conclusion that the boy died of toxicosis. And so it didn't take the doctor long to realize what, like, basically what had happened. It basically came out that that perhaps he was poisoned by perhaps Navara. And so this doctor was like, I said the wrong thing. I did the wrong thing. I messed with the wrong people. And he peaced out to Australia. Oh, <laughs> damn. Oh, that's so random. Because I realized my mob boss boss was like poisoning kids. You had to get out of there. He realized that he would just basically said, because he knew everything that had happened. He had said that he saw something that, you know, these this guy getting his head smashed in. And so I think he just kind of put two and two together and was realizing that, hey, he was working for the mafia. Well, working for a hospital that was led by uh, the mafia boss. That's stressful as heck. Yeah. I would have skedaddled too. So this led to Navarra's arrest in association for the boy's murder. But he was not convicted because I guess he has high friends in high places. Um, They're just high. They were just high. So Navarra usually outsourced his murders. He wasn't the one that typically, he didn't like to get his hands dirty. Because he's a small business supporter. That makes sense. <laughs> Export the labor. Exactly. So his protege, Luciano Leggio, maybe, I hope. The faces that Taylor is making <laughs> as she is saying these names are just priceless. It's really beautiful. I have yeah, never... say it with gusto. I have never even, like, the fir- like the only Italian is liter- that I know is literally, like, spaghetti, okay? And we all it's know... It's like the- Italian sandwich. Exactly. Um, so Luciano Leggio, he was the real man behind a lot of the murders that Navarra was involved with, perhaps. He was the one that actually did it. So Leggio was a real up-and-comer in the mafia world. He was climbing his way to the top and eventually becoming top dog after Navarra tried to off him. And so Leggio was like, you can't kill me. I'm going to kill you. So then Leggio's like, you're dead. Navara and Navara and this other doctor <laughs> just like that. <laughs> you're dead. Or you're not. Shot them. There was one person who uh, um, was with Navara that was not associated. Uh, he just like worked for the hospital and he killed them both. He's like, I can't risk it. So basically, it's not a secret. This Legio was a bad dude. He was also really good at hiding. But don't you worry. We have to get um, justice for Risotto. Legio was eventually caught at none other. Than Risotto's former girlfriend's house. Why so, was was he with the former girlfriend? This is tea. You know, I don't know. I don't actually know the tea. I tried to find the tea. Couldn't. I couldn't find it. I'm gonna say yes for mess purposes. Okay. For mess purposes. So then he was the dude who then had who had actually kidnapped yes. Risotto. Yes. Okay. So, but what happened to Risotto? Fast forward. He's he's missing, presumed dead, because he was messing with the mafia. Like, we all know that the mafia probably was like, okay, you're you're dead. But we did hear from the boy, though, remember, that he saw a man's head get bashed in. So, Risotto's body's still not found. His family made it their mission to find him and give him a proper burial and keep his memory alive as a hero. So, Risotto's nephew, who's also named Placido Risotto was really the hero because he was seeing the pain of his grandmother losing her son. So um, after like petitioning and like all of this stuff, um, the family was able to search the area that they had suspected that Risotto uh, was executed. And sure enough, they found some bones of someone who was shot in the skull 
three times execution style. Ooh. So, yeah. So, of course, it's been 60 years. That could have been some other unfortunate soul that the mafia had beef with. So, in 2012, as we like to do, the family exhumed Risotto's father in order to compare the DNA to finally get the answers the family deserved. That that was, in fact, Placido Risotto. So, on March 16, 2012, a state funeral was held where Italian president... Giorgio Napolitano attended, and finally they were able to honor and properly lay Placido Risotto to rest as he deserved the end. Yay! Yay! But also sad. Very sad. Technically, he's still lost. I mean, we should not see things in binaries as losing or winning, but that's true. But he we did. was not. We did at least get um, justice for Risotto because the man who did kill him did end up going to jail. So there's that, I guess. The original mob boss, he got offed. So I will say at least there was a little bit of justice. None of it is an ideal situation. You don't ever want to mess with the the mafia. But Placido Risotto was very, he was really brave to do that and was really trying to work for the rights for these farmers who deserve to have these lands instead of these businessmen who were like really just hanging on to the land so that they can get more money and then be violent. So lots of brave men in this episode. Yes. Well, as we all know from the documentary series, The Sopranos, the mafia is not as powerful as it used to be. They still be out here doing their thing, but, you know, it's not as bad. But it also seems that mafia people also just often kill other mafia people. So just don't get into the mafia. Yeah, advice from cadaver gals, avoid the mafia and the if KGB. you can. Yes, and the KGB. So this is Cadaver Gals. We'll be right back. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with the Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut, and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...with zero qualifications... She had a Harvard plaque. ...tricks her way past a wall of lawyers and agents. She's got all of these Maseratis and Bentleys all in the driveway. Is it like a mansion? Yes, it's a mansion. ...that this queen of the con uses to scam some of the biggest names in professional sports out of untold fortunes. About six million. Approximately eleven million dollars. Nearly ten million dollars was all gone. Employing whatever means necessary to bleed her victims dry. She would probably have sex with one of her clients. Hide your money in your old rich man, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, season five, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. 
Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation, I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating. And a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, we're back with our little last section of Cadaver Gals today. Taylor was just telling us about a heroic man who was trying to stand up to the mob and then his body wasn't found for many years. 60, 60 years. 60 that's a long years. time. It is. That's, I, I confirm that's a long time. And that's actually kind of I mean, I was thinking about this because apparently with the mafia and the mob, that is one of their they have a lot of like ritual murders. They like to murder people in specific ways. They have a lot of really terrible torture methods. But one thing that they also do, they often try to get rid of bodies so they can never be found. Yes. yes. So that is something they like to do. Find in a place there's been a you know, specific areas, burial grounds that people have found over the years from mafia-related deaths. Our hero, Risotto, was in a very backwooded area far away, hard to find. And one method that I wanted to kind of talk about, which is super horrifying to think about, is one method of getting rid of a body that the mafia has used is dissolving people in acid. Help you. Tell me more. So the mafia has this code of silence called Omerta, but it's basically, uh, it's not really a thing anymore because starting in the 1960s in the U.S., at least with the uh, American-Italian mafia, people started coming forward, you know, working with the FBI, getting into witness protection, et cetera, et cetera. So we do kind of know from various mafia people, also mafia people in Italy, that this method of using acid is a real thing. And the way that they would often, these witnesses would describe it as they would like, yeah, you just like get the body, you toss it in there and it dissolves within 20 minutes or so. That's insane. They tried to do that in Breaking Bad, right? Oh yeah, my other favorite documentary. Absolutely. (laughs) But the thing is, yes, that does sound crazy that you could get rid of a body in 15 to 20 minutes. So there's a bunch of people who are just like, that sounds crazy that it could happen that quickly. So in 2011, there was a group of Italian science, forensic scientists at the University of Palermo, and they decided to do an experiment to see if you could dissolve a body in acid that quickly. They presented their findings at the American Forensic Association conference, which is my favorite conference. I know. Where's the invite? What a crazy job. Like, let's just see if this is true for science. Yeah, so just being like, okay, so they're saying you can dissolve a body this quickly. Is that true? 15 to 20 minutes. And basically what they did is they used pig cadavers because apparently that's normal in forensic science is the the most comparable cadaver is a pig one. So I'm still on my journey towards being a vegetarian. I dissected a the reproductive tract of a pig. Is it similar to ours? I think so, yeah. Oh, wow. Emotionally. (laughs) But so they tested out the acid. They dunked them in acid. And they found that 15 to 20 minutes was a pile of bullshit because really it takes like the skin and the cartilage about 12 hours to dissolve. And if you want to fully dissolve bones, it's going to take like two days. So they were being so dramatic. They thought they were being so cool. They're like, yeah, it only takes like 20 minutes. 
It's just this powerful acid that we have. But no, alas, it takes a much longer time to dissolve a body than what the mafia would have you know. So even though there's medical bosses, apparently, in the mob, you can't trust them with the medical science facts, okay? Also, it's really hard to fully dissolve a body. There's still probably going to be chunks left behind. Oh, I did not like that word in description. (laughs) Chunks. Hmm. So there will be some leftover, some residual body stuff um so maybe one day they'll have better acid i don't know but they did and they they (laughs) i don't know but there was like uh they did find in italy from the 1980s they did find this like cave that was run by this like mob boss and they had like all these vats of acid just like on hand so so they definitely did use that even though it took longer than 15 to 20 minutes yeah, that's why it's good to have like a little cave that you can just let them sit, you know? They were probably just saying that to be like, don't even bother looking because they dissolve oh, in like yeah. 20 minutes. So Sorry, don't Taylor. even look. Don't try. Or they're bad at time. That's true. true. That's, that could be Sometimes a thing. I microwave things and I don't know for how long to put them in, you know? It's the same. Same yeah. thing. <laughs> same thing. Same. Anyway, the chief scientist on this project... He says that it is impossible to completely destroy a corpse with acid. So we can all carry that. Put that on a pillow, too. You know? Okay. Absolutely. Well, I think that goes back to the best option is burial at sea. Throw yeah, them out we, to the sea. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Or dunk them in acid for a little bit. And then bury at sea. You can do, and then bury just at do a little sea. combo. Or you could just really encourage them to get into being an astronaut and just let Mm. them have a successful career and then try to go up in a space shuttle or don't murder people (laughs) or don't don't murder murder. people (laughs) anyway this has been you know another episode great things happened great advice but as always don't murder people you know that's what we're trying to get at that's the whole point of the show (laughs) absolutely this show is very focused on uh, honoring these people truly they were amazing and it's really sad and terrible what happened to them i'm glad we can share these stories taylor (laughs) earnest moment (laughs) yes well i was just i was just thinking of this statistic that i saw recently that was like the average person walks by at least 16 people who have murdered somebody in their lifetimes 16 Mm -hmm. people be murdering dude it's bad well, maybe it'll be less for us because we won't be like walking near people in the next yeah. continuous amount of time. They weren't so considering maybe only COVID. 15. Yeah, they weren't considering yeah. the time of COVID when I saw that. So I was so just going to go. say, you don't know who's looking at you online, though, and that freaks me out. But we can't do anything about that, can we? Ha 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 ha. Anyway, some closing thoughts are, you know what, space, it's going to be there. Elon Musk, I want you to be careful with Grimes's <laughs> heart and with the space program. And uh, that's our show today. This is Cadaver Gals. We'll be back next week. Cadaver Gals. Cadaver Gals is a production of School of Humans and iHeartRadio. The show is produced, recorded, written, thought about, uh, experienced angsted over by taylor church nika duarte and me gabby watts you can follow us on instagram and twitter at cadaver gals see you next time i'm scott weinberger journalist and former deputy sheriff In my new podcast series called Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Gym Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. 
how this beguiling woman in her 50s she looked like a million bucks scams a bunch of famous athletes out of untold fortunes nearly 10 million dollars was all gone it's just unbelievable hide your money in your old rich men because <laughs> she is on the prowl listen to queen of the con season five the athlete whisperer on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, guys. Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.